welcome to another edition of Breaking Rugby. I'm your host, Chef, and with me this week is Scotty Wade. How you doing, Scotty? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Man, Scotty, is glad to, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, we usually start these podcasts with how old you are, what do you do for a living, and how long have you been playing rugby? All right. I'm 44. Uh, occupation, I... Uh, work overnights at a local grocery store mm-hmm. and I've been playing rugby for 19 going on 20 years 19 going on 20 man I think there's some players on a team now that have you have played rugby longer than they've been alive you know? <laughs> <laughs> how does that feel especially playing now with a bunch of youngsters <laughs> um actually it feels good um being able to uh, pass on my knowledge to the next generation of rugby players is something um, I look forward to. Yeah, that's dope. And I definitely learn a lot. Even though I'm not as fast as you, I definitely pick up a lot from you, man. But before you got into rugby, you were a man, correct? Yes. <laughs> you, there were other things in your life. So I remember hearing that you were in the Army. Yes. How did you find yourself going to the Army? <laughs> um. I wound up going to the Army after um, I had to leave college, uh-huh. and I came back home and just wasn't satisfied with where my life was headed at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need a change. I need to get out. I need to find something. Yeah. So I decided to inquire about the military services. Mm-hmm. My father was in the military, retired military. Um, so I went down to the recruiter's office and I was like, look, they all jump up, salivating at the mouth. We got a recruit coming in the door. Said, look, 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 y'all need to just calm down. All I want is a book of jobs. If I find something I like, I'll come back. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I went out and got, a, got their list of jobs that the, each branch offered. Uh, found uh, that the Army had veterinary technicians and that was something that I was intending on going to college for, so I was like, you know what? That's what I want. Mm-hmm. It was like the light bulb went off. It's like, that's it. Yeah. So went back into the recruiter's office a couple of days later. I was like, I want this job right here. <laughs> if I can get this job right here, I'll sign right now. Mm-hmm. So, and from there, that's how it went as I went I mean did you enjoy your time at oh, the I, army I love the army mm-hmm. um, I would I, it was kind of like weird to say like did you enjoy being an army like, uh, <laughs> no, soldier I, 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 I loved it you know yeah. it's one of the few pl- things you can actually do legally where you can run around in the woods with guns and <laughs> shit and shoot and blow shit up <laughs> it's like so like the people go basic training is hard it's like no basic training is not hard mm-hmm. Basic training is a mind game. Mm-hmm. What you got to realize is that these drill sergeants, yeah, they're yelling at you, but they're not yelling at you. That's their job. Their job is to break you down so that they can build you up the way they want you. Yeah. So if you can remain mentally strong, there's nothing physically that you can't do in basic training or that you can't do by the time you get to the end of basic training uh-huh. you know it's just like any sports you know some people they don't have good upper body strength by the time you get done basic training as long as you keep with it 
You're going to have the upper body strength. Some people can't run very well. By the time you get done, you're going to be able to do that two miles and under the time limit. Mm-hmm. As long as you keep at it. Yeah. You got to stay mentally strong and the body will follow. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently you're doing a good job of that still playing rugby at 44, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, that, that probably definitely has big key into me still being able to perform at the level that I'm able to perform at. I'm, seriously, like I never put two and two together, but I definitely feel like the Army was a, a great factor in keeping you around so you can share your rugby knowledge with everybody. So you didn't find rugby in the Army, correct? No. When no. did you find rugby? Um, well, actually, that's not 100% correct. Oh, okay. I heard of rugby mm. while I was in the army okay, okay. due to uh, my best friend his roommate played rugby in college and I'd go down and visit him and his roommate would come back from rugby just beat up beat up <laughs> beat up beat up so I was like mental note rugby ain't it <laughs> not doing that one <laughs> man so uh, I guess for the people who play for Frederick Rugby, who are your who are those friends that were introduction? Okay, uh, well, the one was my uh, my best friend Michael Tucci, and his roommate was uh, Scott Shackelford, also known as Dogger. Dogger, for any of the people who haven't listened to the um, the past episodes, I had Dogger and Tucci on the uh, Rugby Odd Couple. <laughs> that was the name of the episode. Check that out. You'll get a good idea of who he's talking about. But yeah, so you met, you were introduced to rugby then, and you told yourself you would not play. What was the straw that broke the camel's back that got you to play? Um, it was Michael Tucci's persistency. He for two years when I got out of the military, he's like, "You should, you should play. You should play. You should play." And I'm like, "No, no, no." Finally, he goes, "Look." Come to practice. If you don't like it, I'll never ask you again. Uh-huh. And that first practice is all it took. Hooked. Hook, line, and sink. Yes. It seems like every like first-timer at rugby is usually that first that first day, that first game, that first practice, whatever. It's like, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it now. It's, just, it's a different feeling. And it's like, I, I love the fact that it's so open and that you can play any position. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. you've played plenty of positions, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I started I started with the club as the new fast guy. Where do you put the new fast guy? You put him on wing. <laughs> That's where every new fast guy starts. He's wing. Uh-huh. So started at wing. Got a little bit uh, better at the game, a little bit more knowledge. Moved back to fullback. Uh, played that for several years. Um, after fullback, you know, the club started transitioning. The club needed bodies in other positions, so moved in. It's like, you know what? I think I can play flanker. <laughs> I think I can. So we need help there. I'll try. And then in the last couple of seasons, you know, we due to numbers and or whatever injuries and everything, we don't have a hooker. Mm-hmm. Well. I've seen enough rugby. I know the not all the nuances of the position, but I think I can get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. 
and gave it a shot, and here you are. And here I am. <laughs> so, um, let's go back. I think you said you started in, you started playing in 2000, correct? Yeah. So, it's 2019 now, and I'm pretty sure there has been a drastic change. Like, you are kind of like, uh, what do I want to call it? It's that um, time capsule. <laughs> you are the time capsule of the team right now. Like, you've seen it when we were in their heydays at D2 and where we are now in D3. If anything, I want to talk a little more about your times in the D2 and, like, what it was like playing with Frederick in 2000 when Kenny Orndorff was on and Jeff Arden and uh, Julian and all those guys. Well, um, with, with us at D2, Frederick had a mindset and a swagger that We're, we're, our mission is playoffs. Mm-hmm. If we don't make the playoffs, not saying that the, the season was a failure, but it means we got to look at things that we need to fix to make sure we can continue to be making playoffs. So, um, and the biggest, the biggest difference I could probably say is between when I started and now is mostly the numbers for the club. I mean, when I, when I came to the club, we were D2, we were D2 strong and you had 30 some guys showing up every day to practice. You Mm -hmm. had, you practiced, I mean, you practice your skill positions and you practice that, but then you also got game time practice where you know we would we would scrimmage each other a side would scrimmage b side mm-hmm. and in that scrimmage is, is where you could potentially b side player step up and take an a side player spot cuz if you perform better in practice you could get that a side position on saturday mm-hmm. um so the competition in practice, I would say, was higher, but it was only higher because we had the numbers. You can't have that competition if you don't have the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, so I've been here long, long enough, and I've, I've, I've been here through, through the transition to D3, which was a transition that was a hard pill to swallow, but it was the right move for the club. Mm-hmm. Because if we hadn't made the transition, I could very easily see the club having disbanded. Mm. And that would have been a travesty. Yeah. So it was the right decision for the club. And I see the club heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a good core of guys that come out consistently. Yeah. And we get a couple more pieces to f- fill that puzzle out. Mm-hmm. And be consistent like we were back when we were D2. I see no reason why we couldn't run the gamut in D3 and move back up to D2 eventually. Mm-hmm. So, back in when you guys were in D2, was it kind of like people were crawling to get onto the team? Like you kind of had to actually have tryouts and shun people away to play or was it no it was still as open it, it as was it is still now? as open as it was it all, the only requirement was 
to come out. Mm-hmm. She came out, you got a shot. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, inevitably it happens, but people will come out and they're like, no, this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And they come out a few times and then they wouldn't see him again. Mm-hmm. Then you'd have those guys that come out and they'd, oh, this is it. Yeah. I don't found it. And yeah. You just see that, that switch yes. click in their head. It's like, yeah, all right. You guys win. I, I, I'm i sold. <laughs> you don't have to sell any more to me. Right. It's like uh, when you're like, if you were ever in a multi-level marketing scheme, like when your friend is like, you... It's not like, all right, this is a scam. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want no part of it. But then you get that one friend who's like, yo, I believe in this dream right here and we're going to go for it. And that's exactly how rugby got me, man. I took, I came out to Pig Rose and I was hooked ever since. And you've been around when, I'm pretty sure when there are other great t- traditions, right, with the club. What are some, like, some things you, some of your favorite memories? Oh, some of my favorite memories is just, you know, back when we were D2. And unfortunately, sometimes we had to travel a little bit further. Like, we'd have to go to Norfolk to play. We had to go down to Raleigh and play. And those those trips usually turn into a mini touring trip where you had to go down Friday night. Cause you, there's no way you're gonna drive eight hours to Raleigh, yeah. <laughs> play a match and then drive eight hours back. Yeah, it's just not logistically feasible. Yeah. <laughs> so, just I remember just going down road trips to Raleigh, and just being down in North Carolina with the boys, mm-hmm. taking over a bar, you know. <laughs> Everybody in their Frederick Rugby gear. Yeah, everybody, you know, representing Frederick Rugby and the camaraderie that you get when you go on trips like to Raleigh or to Savannah. Those are things that you don't forget. You can't, they can't be taken from you. Those are memories that are made for a lifetime, friendships that are made for a lifetime during those trips. Mm -hmm. You know, guys that maybe you weren't tight with before the trip maybe you roomed with that guy this weekend and now y'all are tight and yeah. can't be separated yeah yeah um one thing i remember from dog and tushi was that these trips usually you guys like either rented a bus or a van and went down there yes and there were rookie shows oh yes rookie shows. have you ever participated in a rookie a rookie show sir um, I did do a rookie show, and I, <laughs> it was, I, ah, she got booed off the, off the bus, not got, off the bus, I got, I got booed back into my seat, but that was my plan, I didn't want to, I hadn't really prepared anything, I was unprepared, uh-huh. so I basically, I did the angry black man thing, I'm not here to entertain you, <laughs> <laughs> so finally they they like you okay you're done you can go sit down. <laughs> uh, so would you, uh, you said that's pretty much what you did. I'm not here to entertain. Yes. You. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Oh shoot. That's one thing we didn't talk about. Like, what's it be? What's it like being a black guy playing rugby, especially back in 2000? I'm pretty sure there's a lot. I'm not sure, but I can assume that there were a lot less black people playing rugby back then, unless maybe they were foreign or something. Um, 
there were a lot less black players. Um, the funny thing is, you know, I've never, I've never looked at the sport or approached the sport as I'm a black player playing the sport. Yeah. I'm a rugby player. Yeah. I feel like that's and universal. And, and it was, it was, that was one of the things when, you know, when you, when I joined the club, the, the feeling of being included in everything, I, you, you, no one ever got excluded from anything. If you wanted to be involved, you were given all the information to be included. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I love. I love about this cl- this club and have loved about this club is that it's the feeling of family that you get in this club. So it's probably another reason why I've stuck around as long as I have is just mm-hmm. it's the, the Frederick love. Yeah. Because like, the reason why I asked that is because it's like when I used to int- tell my black friends that I was playing rugby, first thing was like, were you really going to play that white boy sport like that? That's, it was just like, if anything, that was part of the reason why I wanted to start the podcast. Because like, right. I honestly, I haven't interviewed as many black players as I wanted to. I'm not saying that. I think I feel like I'm backtracking right now, but it's not like I really wanted to, or I had a goal to, I need to interview 10,000 black people. But it was just like, a lot of my guests have been white, but it was more not so the fact that they're white people playing. I just wanted people to see that there are all different kinds of people that play this sport. Yes. If you if you just looking at it as just a white black thing, you're kind of closing your mind off to a whole different like world like yes once i started playing rugby i found out it was not just a game it's a culture yes like you said exactly. that inclusiveness it's like you aren't you're a rugby player first before anything whenever you're around a bunch of rugby players yes is that automatic you get the automatic you get that there's that automatic respect level yeah like it's it, it's sort of like it's, it's like with, it's almost like with the military mm-hmm. it's that was that that same respect oh you served yeah, it's like uh, when you see uh, a soldier in their, uh, what's it call it, in their camouflage at the airport. It's mm-hmm. like, thank you for your service. Yeah. Uh, were you ever around for that time? Like, I don't know if, is, is that a good thing to say to somebody that is in there? It's always appreciated. Okay, all right. It's And, I mean, sometimes it's, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but... It's humbling. It's a humbling experience mm-hmm. for somebody to thank you for something, at least for something that I loved doing in the first place. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people. Military is not their thing, but without yeah. the military, you don't have the freedoms that you have. So, but for the people that did thank you, it's, it's a humbling experience, and it's always it, it was always appreciated. Mm-hmm. And it's just as like you said, as welcoming as. Coming onto the Frederick rugby team, right? Yes. And that's another thing. It's like playing rugby, that whole culture of when you step inside those lines and for 80 minutes, you're looking across the field and all you want to do is beat the bloody hell out of the team on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that final whistle blows. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I wasn't ready for what happened next. Mm-hmm. Because I play, I mean, I've played sports my whole life, mm-hmm. but I wasn't ready for what happened next. Because for every sport I've ever played before, you hated those guys before the game, you hated them during the game, and you hate them after the game. Yeah, that's not rugby. 
Rugby, you can hit them before the game. You can hit them during the game. Game's over. Game's over. You go to the bar. And the next thing you know, you're drinking, singing songs with this guy that for 80 minutes, you went back and forth trying to beat the bloody hell out of him. Yeah. It's like... It's like Fight Club. I always, I always liken it to Fight Club because it's like they will fight for however, like two minutes long. Somebody will like have their eye socket busted wide open, just blood gushing out. And he's like, all right, time's up, time's up. And he just get up and laugh and give him a hug. Like, oh, thank you, man. And it's kind of exactly what rugby is. Like, there have been times where, like, I've, I've seen this guy cross from me and I just... I don't like the cut of your jib. You, you were like, you were like dirty in a ruck one time. You you blindsided me. You oh, yeah. did a dirty shot, and like I just hated you. But like after the game is over, I go up to the guy, give him a handshake, pound up back. It was like I remember what you did there, man. I get it. I get it. I saw you holding me there a little longer, and I appreciate that, man. But it's like this is, and that's the great thing. I remember we were talking to somebody random. About rugby, and he when we told him that part of right. it, he's like, "That's what American sports are missing, man. We definitely oh, it was amazing to hear that because I was like, I thought the same thing. Right, it's, right. it's a universal thought, if anything. So, um, besides, or so you went to Raleigh, North Carolina. There, those were for matches, right? Those were for matches, regular season matrix matches. Mm -hmm. um, and you also gone on tours, like, uh, to tournaments out of country. Or not country, sorry. Out of, like, down in, down south, I think you said yes, Savannah. We to, we, uh, Savannah is a annual, has an annual St. Patrick's Day uh, tournament. Mm -hmm. And when I joined the club, that was... An <laughs> You went to Savannah. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a question of do you want to go to Savannah. It was we went to Savannah. Yeah, and it we, was like scheduled. In. It was scheduled. It was in the schedule. Yeah. That was <laughs> so, I know there's you guys. Kenny's told me about this, and I'm not sure about Dogger Tucci, but I know about the Air Force match that happened down there where you kind of made a bunch of youngsters look. Look like shit, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not. Uh, no disrespect to that. Uh, I forget what year. You remember what year that was? Oh no, not off the top of my head. All right, but whatever year Air Force team went out there, this is no disrespect to you. But no, it's, no, it's just no. funny to hear this story come from you guys. Can you want to dive into that a little bit? Oh yeah. Um, it was just you know, we go down and. We go. We get to the field. and We're checking out our brackets, and our first match of the day is against Air Force. Uh -huh. And we're like, "Ooh, that's gonna be tough." Because uh -huh. you know the Air Force, they're bringing that's their select side. They're these guys are active Air Force, and they're playing rugby because they've been handpicked to come play rugby. So they're they're not messing around. Yeah. So one, they're Air Force, so they're gonna be fit, and they're gonna be strong. So we're like, and we're we, we that year we were, we were pretty much a ragtag of sprinkling a couple of new guys, couple of couple of uh, younger guys, but mainly we were an old boy squad put together. Yeah, <laughs> and we got down there, and it's like, 
I, I don't know if Kenny and, and Jeff had discussed this ahead of time, but when the game started, they they had the game plan, and they were like, these guys want to go hard, and they want to go fast. So we're going to go slow. <laughs> Man. So if... If if the if the if the scrum is steady and we don't have to pull the ball out right away, we're not pulling the ball out right away. Mm-hmm. If the rucks are stable and set, and we don't have to get it out quick, there's no reason we we're not in no rush. Mm-hmm. And I think as the game progressed, you could just see the frustration in Air Force building because yeah. what they wanted to do, they're like. We need the ball, we need the ball, and then we're not giving it to you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to take it from you're us. You're going to have to take it from us, and the way we're playing is you're not going to get it. <laughs> never going to get it, never going to get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so um, that wasn't the only time y'all played them, right? I know that was the first one. But I mean, even before you guys played them the second time, I remember... Ken used to tell me about the story where, like, they put on a performance pregame, like, getting ready for it. And you oh. guys were just... Oh, yeah. Lounging. They were doing... It was, it was like a full military physical training exercise going on. They were like... <laughs> they were doing PT. They were doing PT. They were, they were you know, running... They were running sprints and jumping jacks in formation. And it was like, wow. <laughs> And We're on the sideline going, they're going to get tired. I'm getting tired just looking at them. <laughs> Man, I remember when Kenny said, like, y'all did one practice line out because you had a new guy jumping yeah. and then ran right on the field and then took care of him, honestly. Yep. So then you said, um, so after that, y'all had to play them later because y'all did well that, that tournament, yeah, correct? We did, yeah, we did well that tournament. Um yeah, we we ended up having to play them in I think the championship round, and I, we beat them again. Unfortunately, I had gotten injured, I think in our second match, uh-huh. and I wasn't able to play against them in the second time. Mm-hmm. But watching from the sidelines, it was it was watching game one all over again. <laughs> Just take your time. Take only your the time. only the only difference was is that they came out with a chip on their shoulder because they're like, we can't believe these old guys beat us. <laughs> uh-huh. We're not letting that happen again. Uh-huh. And oh, guess what happened? Yeah. Beat them again. <laughs> oh man. So um, we were talking about the camaraderie like after after matches. Is it kind of the same thing on these tournament tours? Is it the oh, same yes. camaraderie? Um, well, like these. These tournaments are hosted usually by a club in like the the like in Savannah the the local Savannah rugby team is the one that sets this tournament up, mm-hmm. and so you know they have. Well, in Savannah, it's it's a little bit different, I guess, because it's St. Patrick's Day weekend, so it's a holiday, and from my knowledge, is like Savannah's like I don't know if it's the second or third largest population of. Irish descent, uh-huh. so it's a big party down there that weekend. Uh-huh. So, it, so yeah, it's the same camaraderie. You got rugby players all over the place, and it's like you know you, you see them out down in the in the street, and it's like, hey, hey, rugby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to the Can Am with uh, Kenny and Mike and uh, and Mags and. That was an experience. Like I went out one night, and it was just like when we were driving in, it was just like 
It's, it felt like a scene out of a Disney movie. Like <laughs> you're, you're riding to this quiet town, just families walking around pointing, and like you have these monuments they're pointing, and then nighttime came oh, out, yep. and then the streets are just full of rugby players. And while they were out there, they it was like every night had a theme, and apparently somebody had a calendar for all these themes, or each team had a theme for every night. So oh, it was like, okay. you'll be out there and you'll see like, there's a bunch of rugby players dressed like women. Or I think another was like Hawaiian night. And another was like probably preppy boy. Well, I think a lot, of, a lot of clubs will do that. And we've, we've done that before where we could like, okay, we're, we're gonna have a theme night mm-hmm. while we're on tour and everybody does that theme. Yeah. Those things, it's just, it's incredible to see a a town transform from a a gang of rugby players. And it's like all of them are out there just to play rugby. And then morning time comes around, the city goes back to normal because they were all playing rugby now. (laughs) (laughs) But once the rugby's over, everybody's coming back to partying all your bars, man. It is dope to see that. You have any other um, great tour memories? Any. like besides the Air Force match, or did you ever win any championships out there? We we've won, we won um, we have won um, the Savannah. We've won. Um, I think we won a few um, Atlantic Cups down at Dewey Beach. That's nice. always a good tournament. That was always a good tournament too. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that tournament I got my first boot boot marks from Friendly Fire. Where'd you get him? <laughs> um, I went down in a tackle, and Stax, who's now coaches with Western Suburbs, uh-huh. come come in to clean off the ruck, and just happened to walk up my back to do the to do it. Oh man! So I was like, and it's like you know, didn't realize it during the match. Didn't really, I guess, the adrenaline was pumping so hard. I didn't really feel it. Mm-hmm. So, get back to the hotel that night, you know, taking a shower, turn my back to the faucet. Oh, that is a pain that <laughs> you can't really describe fully. Yeah. But it's like, I had to like, finish showering up and jump out and look. I got to look at this in the mirror. So, there it is. Four perfect scratches down the middle of my back. <laughs> oh, man. That's got to be rough, man. Shoot, since we're on the topic, wait. What was that injury that, uh, was it a bad injury that took you out in the second match? Or, like, what was that? Um, I rolled rolled my ankle, which I probably actually ended up being a mid-level sprain. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it just, it was a, that was nothing. It was, I think, like two weeks I was back full, fully healthy, fully recuperated. What, any other injuries? Um, yes, I have actually, it wasn't like a full break, but I had a a bone chip uh, break off in my ankle, Mm. which, uh, I fully believe if we weren't playing on a turf field, the injury would not have been as severe. Uh I might've, it might've been a bad sprain at that point, but I don't believe I would have broken the chip off and that's why I I hate turf. (laughs) <laughs> hey turf turf doesn't give yeah. whatsoever and um yeah that was kind of rough because playing rugby and then not being able to play rugby man i felt like i want to say my first 
kind of like real bad one. Like I was, uh, I, I first blew my ribs, but like when I sprained my ankle and it was like doing sevens and I, I took like probably a week or two from not going out to practice. Then in the third week I went out and I was just like, man, I got to get back in there. And like, I'm sitting there trying to push myself. I'm like, don't, you need to sit on the sideline. <laughs> right, but it's right. like, you just don't want to be hardest, that. That's yeah. the hardest thing to do is to sit on the sideline as a person that plays rugby, to sit on the sideline and not be able to play. Yeah. It's, it's like the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to watch because it's like, man, I, I want to be out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, not being able to physically do it, that's it's frustrating. Yeah, but <laughs> shoot, if anything, I learned with my older age is you need to take your time. Oh, like, definitely. You're not getting any younger. Nope. And you need to do some self-care and take care of yourself, man. Oh, you can't definitely. push through injuries. You're not 22. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to heal. You, and what, what do you drink? Do you drink milk? Are you Is milk doing the body good still? <laughs> like, no, I don't, eat, I don't drink that much milk. So it's like my diet changed and I, I know I need to get back on the right path and eating correctly and uh, if anything right now I'm doing more yoga and that's stretching and helping me out I want to start teetering to help out my back there's like this inversion okay. table or something like that is there anything that you do for self care <sighs> not really um, I've been <laughs> I've been lucky enough that you know with any nicks or dings that I've acquired that the only thing I've had to do is rest. Rest. Just rest, you know. Like I said, Scotty, we need to do some studies on you, man. <laughs> we need to we need to at least sample your we need to hold a living organ like blood right now. We need <laughs> the DNA sample. Like no, we need we need vials, at least fifteen vials in case. Because like you said, you just said all you do is rest, right? Right. And I hate to give away your secret, but <laughs> pre-game, halftime, post-game, you're drinking a Mountain Dew Core Red and smoking a Newport, and then you come out here and you, like you said, you make people half your age look like clowns, like rag dolls. <laughs> you're taking ankles all over the place. Like when did this? When did that combination start happening? This actually this. The, the Code Red and the cigarettes have pretty much been with me since the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, the soda had to change when Mountain Dew dropped Code Red for a little bit, oh, but they man. brought it back, so... <laughs> I will say, <laughs> Code Red is probably the best flavor, of Mount, best, best flavor of Mountain Dew. I think people say Baja Fresh, the I one know, that yeah, the I've tried, I've tried all the new flavors. The only flavor that even came close was they had at one point they brought out a uh, purple one mm-hmm. and it was a a light purple colored yeah that was good and i really liked that one but they discontinued it and i'm like i was sad to see that one go but i was like i still got my code red yeah, i still got the code red <laughs> hey, on, if anything we need to get you sponsored by code red we definitely <laughs> make me your manager we'll get that happen <laughs> man, we gotta make that work we get that work oh man but it's still amazing to see that happen it's just like like I'm on the sideline, well it was half time I go out and I'm just looking for the water and then all of a sudden I get a whiff of the cigarette, I'm like, all right. And then it's like that's Scotty recharging. Don't worry about him. Scotty's gonna be alright. And then you come out and then you kill it, man. Right. I've actually I've had I've actually had a coach after 
after a match come up to me and it's like you ruined me and I'm like did what pardon me <laughs> he's, like, he's like no you've, you, you've ruined my coaching technique and I'm like I don't, what do you mean he's like he's like I, I preach to my guys healthy diet healthy living healthy diet healthy living and they see you <laughs> on the sideline before the game drinking your soda smoking your cigarette then the game starts and you're smoking us. Then they see you at halftime, smoking another cigarette. You come out, come back after halftime, smoking us some more. Then they see you after the match, smoking your cigarette, drinking your soda. And then they're looking at me like, Coach, what, what, how do you explain that? And then he's like, I don't have an explanation. And to be honest with you, I don't have an explanation. <laughs> but it works. It works. So I, why stop it if it works? Yeah, hey. <laughs> Should, would you consider it like a pregame ritual? Because I know some people like take uh, pregame number twos. There's some people who <laughs> um, have a certain playlist. Like I always play, always listen to Schoolboy Q on the way to a game and all that. Um, you know, actually, um, I guess it's 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 it is somewhat preparatory. Um, but I mean, there are like. It's going to sound weird because we've already talked about this with me being a black rugby player. Uh-huh. I'll put on I'll put on some some Metallica or some Pantera. That's not weird. Hey, we all got I listen to Queen, dog. <laughs> religious, not really religiously, but after Raps, um, Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. I've been a big fan of Queen now, dog. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you know, I, before game, I like to I like to I like to listen to that Heavy. That heavy stuff that mm-hmm. that, that gets you in the mindset we're we're going into battle. Mm-hmm. Do, um, would you think that you picked that up from your army days? Like, were you doing the same thing, listening to Metallica, getting ready to go out on whatever uh, mission project you guys are doing? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, we did we did do that when we and when we were out in the field preparing to go out on patrol or whatever, you know, I mean, I think it just, it heightens all your, all your uh, senses. So mm-hmm. you're more aware of your surroundings. Yeah. I feel like that music is kind of like, it pumps your adrenaline. So once shit happens, you're, you don't have to worry about waiting for your adrenaline to pump. It's right. already there. Yeah. You're already at your heightened state. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I guess that's kind of the same thing with Schoolboy, if anything. Like, this Man of the Year song, I I don't know how many times I said it on my podcast. Like, if anything, I love if Schoolboy Q shouted me out because he heard <laughs> it on my podcast. If anything, that's a dream one day. But man, right, right. like, I don't know. It's just like the lyrics, the beats, the 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 inflection in his voice. Like, you can like, I don't know. There's real art arts to it. Yeah. But it's also it's got this aggressive feel to it. That's like. It's just like, yeah, like you said, getting ready to go into battle, going to war. But it's not necessarily like talking about war. It's just like, he could be like that Collard Green song. That's more about having fun, going to a party and all that. But it's still like the sound of it is still like getting you going, but you got a mean face on at the same time. It's like, (laughs) yeah, uh (laughs) uh-oh, Collard Greens. (laughs) Man, but it's, it's dope that you listen to... Your Metallica. What else was there? Uh, Pantera. Pantera. 
Uh, <laughs> any other ones? Like, I've known um, people listen to Slipknot. Um, uh, no, I, don't, I haven't listened to much uh, Slipknot. Um, I mean, prior to, before games, it's usually either Metallica or Pantera. Mm. Um. All right, so now, if anything, what exactly was that transition from D2 to D3 like? Because I know in D2 you guys had a coach, right? Did yeah. that change after you went to D3? Actually, it changed before we dropped down to D three. Okay, um, we were we were D two, and we attempted to have the player coach relationship with a player stepping up to try and coach. Mm-hmm. Which more power to them, but I think that just ends up being too stressful. Yeah. Because, I mean, for one thing, you got to look out and try and do what's best for the club while also preparing yourself for what you have to do. And honestly, I some people can make it work, some people can't. I mean, it's just, I think, honestly, I just think it's too much to try and put on one person. Yeah. I mean... To captain or or coach and then be playing full time, I I just don't see how that could ever really work. It's just I think it's just too much. Yeah. So, you know, um, then we just went to kind of coaching ourselves, which kind of figure is going to happen with. I mean, we have enough people on the team that are knowledgeable. We can we can manage ourselves. Mm-hmm. And still be productive. So it works. May not be optimal, but it works. Yeah. Um, and it's it works for us now. I mean, we don't really we don't have a coach. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't at this point in time. I don't think it's paramount to have a coach mm-hmm. with where we are right now. Yeah. Down the road, maybe. Who knows. I'd say having Kenny's presence there, even though he will not be coached. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people have tried to coax him into being coached. Right. And he just doesn't want to be coached because, like you said, that's a lot of responsibility to put on one person, especially somebody who's just, if anything, just all he like wants to do is share his knowledge like you do. Right. And with having him out there and you also – Going out there and just like giving little quick tips and tricks and like things you gotta remember, things to look out for, and honestly, playing with them like even though it's just touch or something like that, playing with them and understanding what his mindset like it just it's like osmosis. Like somehow he's not really talking to you, right? It's just coming out of his head. And it looks like Max has well, Max has made his appearance on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think Max is telling us we need to take a quick break. Is that yeah, sorry, right? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Max. All right, Max. All right, we're going to take a quick break. All right, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. We finally settled Max down. He, yes. 
he was announcing that the queen was here, uh, and we appreciate that, Max. <laughs> so we, I think we left off at um, having um, you and Kenny sharing your experience with the new guys. And what are like some, like if anything, favorite rookie stories are like, you seen this rookie doing that, and he came to you later and was like, oh, thank you for the quick twitch, or like, do you have a favorite rookie? <laughs> um. Not even uh, a current one, maybe even one from the past, or if anything. Not really. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say I have a, a favorite rookie. Um, but one of the, I guess, great things is just being able to pass on the knowledge that I have gained through the years of playing the sport mm -hmm. with somebody that's just learning the sport and watching them implement it. Mm -hmm. And become successful doing so. That's, mm. I think, what it's really all about. Yeah, and I want to. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> highlight anything, but it's like, what are some things like you find like? Because I know you're great at kicking. Like you probably have the most made conversions, I believe, in this. Is it this season? I think so. Yeah, you've made most of the. You've probably made all of our conversions. Like. What was that like learning how to kick? Because um, were you like, did you play soccer or anything I, back in the day? Actually, back in the, starting in first grade, I grew up playing soccer because my mom was too scared to let me play football. <laughs> Didn't want me to get hurt, and now I'm playing rugby. But, so that's come full circle. But um, no, I grew up playing soccer, um, baseball, ran track in high school. Uh, my senior year, I actually played uh, soccer and football in the fall and then ran track in the spring. Um, I don't know. It's Kicking for conversions has always come naturally. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there, there's a, a ritual I go through before I kick the ball. Okay. Um, but... Doing conversion kicks has always come natural. Now, doing drop kicks was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, that that skill didn't come naturally. Mm -hmm. um, Everything's used to being stationary, at least being on the ground. Right, right. <laughs> so adding that moving, you, now you got to drop the ball and let it bounce. That that took uh, a lot of practice, um, and. Uh, just to mention Kenny again, he was an inspiration to that because I saw, I mean, that, that's a skill that on the field you need to have. Yeah. Somebody on the field has to have that skill. Mm. Um, so I wanted to learn that skill because I was like, you know, being kicking for conversions, I like, I want to master all the kicks. Mm. I want to learn, want to learn how to do the drop kick. I want to, perfect doing grubber kicks mm -hmm. uh, you know um, so you know I one practice I asked Kenny after practice I was like do you have any 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 tips on how to get better at doing drop kicks and he goes practice <laughs> and I'm like okay um, and he's like he's like well do you have any rugby balls at home? I was like, um, no, I don't. He said, like, oh, here, here's a, here's a few balls. Take these balls with you and, and just practice. Mm -hmm. You got free time at home, practice. Um, 
And so I, I think I took it a level higher. I was like, you know what, I'm going to set up a trash can. It's about 10 meters out and on the other side of the yard. So with a, a normal field. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set a trash can up. I'm going to put a marker around the trash can, about 10 meters in radius around the trash can. And I'm going to practice kicking and my goal is to kick it in the trash can. Mm-hmm. If I make it in the trash can, goal accomplished. If I mm-hmm. land in the circle, that's where I want it to go. Now, starting out, <laughs> who knows where the ball is going to go? <laughs> and then, but that, like, like Kenny said, it's just practice. You just keep at it. And eventually it got to where more than... 50% of my kicks were landing inside the circle, and then it got to the point where it, 50-50, it might actually just land in the trash can. Mm-hmm. But it's all about it, that, learning that whole skill, it's just practice, and that's how I got better at it. That's how I've, I've been, I've seen Mouse get better at it mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm no doubt it's all it's all practice definitely so with rugby there comes nicknames I yes. I was coined chef yes really close to Jeff so I don't mind it as much <laughs> <laughs> do you have any nicknames Scotty besides Scotty Wade <laughs> um, yes I was given the uh, rugby nickname of Warner Brother Warner Brother I yes. mean obviously I think of those T-shirts back in the day of the big WB. And, That's exactly and like the the thumb you down. You see the bottle. police Warner brother. Yeah. I wore that T-shirt several times to practice when I first joined the club. Uh huh. And a fellow teammate, good guy, Jamie Romano, nicknamed me Warner brother. <laughs> um, even though it was one of those where that's he gave me the nickname. I didn't know that it had stuck uh-huh. until I found myself in a little bit of trouble with the law. <laughs> um, it was actually after one of our matches, and uh-huh. I was driving home from Frederick, and I get pulled over. Uh-huh. Alcohol level was a little bit too high. Uh-huh. So they take me back to the, the police station, and they're like, we'll give you a phone call. If you can get somebody to come down and pick you up, will release you into their custody and then you'll just have to show up when when you get your court date sent to you. Uh-huh. Okay. I only had Jamie Romano's number on me. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to call him. So I call him. He answers the phone. I said, Jamie, it's Scott. I need you to come down to the, to the, to the courthouse and pick me up. Yeah. I don't know any Scott click. <laughs> Oh man! Now me and the cop, I'm looking at the cop, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, no, he knows me. He, he really does know me. Let me let me call him back. He let the cop, really cool guy. No matter what you say about cops, there are good ones out there. Yeah. He's like, go ahead, call him back. Jamie, it's Scott Wade. I need you to come pick me up. I'm at the courthouse. They're gonna take me to jail. Stop playing on my phone. Click. <laughs> All right, give me one more shot, please. Just give me one more shot. I do not want to go to jail. Just give me one more shot. Uh, All right, call again. 
Jamie Ronald, do not hang up. This is Warner Brother. You need to come to pick me up or they're taking me to jail. <laughs> Warner Brother, why'd you say so? We'll be right there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's like, for, like when it comes to Mouse, I, I didn't know Mouse's real name until somebody, like, until a friend requested me on Facebook, I guess. <laughs> I was like, that's his, his name is John for real? <laughs> I've always known him as Mouse, and it's like, in this case, your nickname was the only thing he could remember about you. <laughs> and it saved your life, I it guess. Saved <laughs> life. But you weren't given any other nicknames, Scotty? Um, nope. I mean, I guess a lot of people do call me Scotty, which is somewhat of a nickname, because that's a funny story. Growing up, my mother hates the name Scotty. Uh-huh. She's like, I named you Scott. Your name is Scott. Uh-huh. Anytime somebody would call me Scotty in her presence, his name is not Scotty. His name is Scott. Okay. Yeah, I'll remember to call you Scott. <laughs> At least in her presence. I don't mind it yeah. so much, but <laughs> she yeah. hates it. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> oh, but uh, I don't know. I, I like Scotty because it's like, I think like, especially like when you go like, when you basically hit like mock speed and cut through all the holes, it's like Scotty beat me up. You're, you're you've reappeared in the, the tri zone, man. That's why I like I like Scotty because of like I'm thinking Scotty beat me up Star Trek. Stuff, okay, man. okay, I, 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 I can get that. I can get that. I yeah, like that. I like that. And Warner Brother is like that's a lot of syllables, especially like if you're out in the field, like Warner Brother, Warner Brother. Well, yeah, like they're like actually on the field, they they. Back in the day, they shortened it down to WB. 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 <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect, man. Uh, so, uh, do you have any uh, favorite tries? I know if you've probably scored a lot. Do you have any, like, are there any memories of any memorable matches, tries, uh, maybe even a game where, like, somebody was chippy or something and that just stuck in your head and you probably showed them up a couple of times? Um, actually, I guess... Honestly, it's a conversion kick. Mm-hmm. I have a, uh, it, my one of my favorite match memories is a conversion kick, because um, and it was like I don't know why Kenny gave me the because Kenny used to do all our kicking, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason Kenny had decided that this was my kick. All right, and it's like and it was it. I didn't. I hadn't been keeping track of the score, and I knew, but I knew we had to win the game to make the playoffs that year. Mm-hmm. So the game was imp- it was an important game, mm-hmm. and it comes down to the. I think it was the end of the game, and we got a penalty. And Kenny comes up to me and he goes, "Can you make it from here?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I can make this." I don't know, it was probably about somewhere in between 35 and 45 mm-hmm. meters out. I mean, it, it wasn't a short kick, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I can make this. I got, I got plenty of leg to make that kick. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right. He goes, points. So we're going for points now. And this was basically, it's the last play of the game. So do my normal pre-kick ritual. Strike it, knew the second I struck the ball, which anybody that kicks will tell you, you know, it's like hitting a, a baseball. You know when you've hit it just right. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. I felt it, and I was like, it goes. Watching it go up, and I'm like, 
straight through. And it wasn't until afterwards Kenny comes up to me and he's like, you just got us in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's got to be like one of those like heart melts and like you like, I don't know how like soccer players run and slide on their knees mm-hmm. and rip their shirt off. That has to be like one of those kind of feelings, man. Right. And But he was smart. Kenny was smart about it. He didn't tell me beforehand uh-huh. how important this kick was. But it was one of those where I thought, I'm glad you didn't tell me that beforehand because I had a total different mindset going up for that kick. But. Uh-huh. You just knew you had to win that match and you had to get this kick and you felt it. That was, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Speaking of Kenny, Kenny plays with the older, old boys, I say. There's like a over 35 league that they play with. Right. You said you're 44 and you still play with us. <laughs> Why aren't you an old boy, man? Uh, there's a couple different answers for that one. Um, first of all, um, I feel I'm still competitive playing with the the men's team. Mm-hmm. Um, if I felt that I wasn't as competitive in my earlier years playing rugby, I I might have made that decision to move on and, and move up to old boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't I haven't I haven't hit that plateau yet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, uh, like I said earlier, I think uh, just being able to pass on some of my knowledge that I've been given from former teammates is another reason I love coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess another one is, you know, I've been with the club long enough and I've seen us when we were in our, I guess, glory days, you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see us get there again. And I think I, at this point, I'm still able to contribute in that pursuit of getting back to where we were. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing, I get some of it's ego. I want to keep doing this and keep (laughs) making these young boys look silly as long as I can. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. I wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear that. Because, man, I wanted to say, when Moose comes out and he takes pictures and all that, it's like every time you see a picture of you on there, and it's just like it, you just want to shake your head because you're always make you're always hitting somebody with a juke, or you're like just in like perfect stride and you're getting ready to burn somebody, or there's this one infamous where the guy thinks he's gonna tackle you and you do some kind of like hurdle skip over him, <laughs> Musa caught it just right. You're like you just did a like t- butt tap on the back of his head and he's gone, man. Yeah, that that's probably a big shout out to Musa for that one and all the pictures he does for us. Definitely. But yeah, that it is a series of like three pictures in a row where it's like the guy and this and you can, the guy had me lined up. Yeah. And I'm like, you think you have the angle, and that's cool. I I can I can appreciate that, uh-huh. but not today. <laughs> And that's dope. It's like always a highlight to see you whenever, like, because if anything, I get like, uh, 
early access to him because I go over there see him working on it. We think it is. We think it is. I was like, oh, yo, Scotty's gonna love that one. <laughs> Scotty's definitely gonna love that. Make sure you get him a copy of that, man. And it's, it's good to see you out there still doing it at 44, man. If anything, I give you a, a little clap, a round of applause, man. If anything, I want to be like you. I, <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate need, that. I, appreciate I don't think your combination is going to work for me. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick with my yoga and more yes, water yes. some stretching and all that. But I hope at 44 I'm doing the same thing, man. All right. I think this is a good spot to end the podcast. Uh, I always end it with why rugby. With what? Why rugby. Why rugby? Because there's nothing else like it. And once once you've been exposed to it, nothing else is quite the same. Mm-hmm. All the other sports that you've played before rugby, they were good sports. But they're not rugby. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not trying to stay shine right now, but I remember one time, it was like after I started playing rugby, I used to meet up with my friends from like middle school. We go play basketball, and I'm sitting there playing. And I'm like, the cardio I got from rugby made me better at that game. And I was getting the boards, making the layups, and all that. But I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm still, I'm a little bored with this. <laughs> it is like you said, it's, it's yeah, it's nothing. Everything pales because comparison yep. once you start playing. Once you once you played rugby, all other sports are like. They were great. I mean, I have great memories playing soccer, playing baseball, playing football. But it's nothing like rugby. There's nothing like rugby. And it's like... Ever since starting playing rugby, you, you just know. Saturday's a rugby day. Saturday's a rugby day. <laughs> Alright, I want to thank Scotty for joining me on another episode of Breaking Rugby. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's honestly my pleasure. You could check me out on all my social medias at Breaking Rugby. If you have a question, comment, if you even want to be a guest on the podcast, you can shoot shoot me an email at breakingrugby at gmail.com. You can also check out the website at breakingrugby.com. Got any shout outs or anything? Uh I'm going to give a big shout out to the women playing tomorrow. Hopefully we're going to be down there cheering you on. So we'll see you then. Shout out to the women's team. Um, and yeah, thank you guys. And we'll be actually not right. Not right back. Man, I, I have been butchering these endings lately, dog. It's not even funny. I'm going to keep this in anyway. <laughs> thank you guys. And we'll be right back. And we're back, and now it's time for the soup of the day. I'm gonna keep this short and first off, apologize to you guys for being consistent with the release of the podcast. I believe I'm about a week overdue, and I'm gonna get back on track. May has been a pretty hectic month for me, more so just kept me busy. I was more so enjoying and relaxing myself. Been to a couple amusement parks, the beach, hanging out with friends more rugby, running and practicing and all that. Um, But yeah, I'm going to get back on track and release this episode. This was a great one I had with Scotty. Uh, Lots of laughs. And 
honestly talking to him i think i spent that weekend with him and hearing the stories after the fact i was like man i wish i had my recorder on me i wish i was catching all these stories uh, a pretty deep deep soul deep brother right there you know it was great talking to him love playing with him and yeah if anything i was he was my hooker <laughs> i stood next to him all year after um all this whole season after uh snowball went down with the knee injury but yeah um yeah i'm gonna get back on track gonna be releasing these again also just want to give one quick shout out to the dc old glory rugby team uh Hopefully they hear this and invite me out to be a commentator. Don't know how good I will be after hearing that one match I did for the Frederick Women and Nova match. But, hey, I, if, let me sit in the booth and let me, like, at least absorb the commentary that everybody else is doing. Well, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Keep following Breaking Rugby. Follow me on all my social medias at Breaking Rugby. And feel free to contact me, you know. Shoot an email at BreakingRugby at gmail.com. The link will have all of the places you can buy merch and donate and just help support my dream, you know, breaking rugby. (laughs) But yeah, appreciate you guys and I'll catch y'all later.